Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of our Baseball Brothers podcast. It's your host, Sam, here, and I'm excited to have our first show of the year in 2019. And today, um, Cole and Jeremy are out, so I have my friend, Jason, guest hosting. Say hello, Jason. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Sam. Of course. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over these last couple of months. So um, basically what we're doing because if you're new to the show, we started this with my brother Jeremy, myself, my friend Cole, and then I have some regular guests, Chris, and then Jason here, as well as a few others, Jonathan and some others, and Al and some other people. Well, guest host with me, we like to do weekly episodes of the baseball news. And since we there hasn't been a ton of news with the holiday season just ending, we thought we'd continue doing baseball team previews. Now, I understand a lot of teams have a lot of moves to be made, but we also have, you know, a lot of teams to go through. So today, we are talking about the White Sox, and while I know they they finished, like, the third-worst team in baseball, they were, I think they were 62-100, and 100, so it's not very great. 62-100, fourth in the AL Central. <laughs> yeah, just in front of my Royals, so not very good, but... Yeah, what are some thoughts you have initially, Jason, on the White Sox? So the White Sox, what, started their rebuild around late 2016, seemed like when they started to, to throw in the towel. And they're taking the approach of the rebuild a lot like the Cubs and the Astros did, trying to tear everything down and then uh, building mm-hmm. up from the ground up. And we saw that, especially like with the 2017 trades of, what, Jose Quintana to the Cubs yep. that netted them their top prospect, Eloy Jimenez. But at the moment, they have a lot of payroll. They have a decent amount of prospects starting to get in the farm system. So the rebuild's mm-hmm. nowhere near done yet, and they probably won't be able to compete in 2019. But they're definitely heading in the right direction, and it'll be exciting to see how they uh, manage to complete the rebuild in the next couple seasons. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely will be intriguing. I think they have some of the right pieces in place. They just kind of have to figure out their pitching, really. But they're kind of going crazy signing some guys, right? We were talking about that a little bit pre-show. I mean, they signed this week alone. They signed John Jay, which he's played for both of our favorite baseball teams, and Kelvin Herrera, some other names, right? Yeah. Um, It's kind of surprising that they were signing bullpen arms. Usually you don't see this in a rebuild until – they're getting closer to competing, but I really like the Herrera signing, to be honest. He was great last year in Kansas City, had some struggles yep. when he was traded to Washington, but it's a two-year deal, and the third-year option is a club option, which means if it doesn't pan out, they have the opportunity to get rid of him, 
without any major consequences when they're starting to compete. And yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy with the signing. I'm kind of excited about about the White Sox at the moment. They're not there yet, but especially in that division in the AL Central, they could end up making some moves if some of their players end up developing a lot this season. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think you're totally right, Jason. You know, I'm a guy that doesn't really like the White Sox, but I also am one of the rare Cub fans that I don't really hate them either. I mean, they're also a Chicago yeah. team, so they're just making a lot of interesting moves. It seems like their moves all have a direction towards really trying to lay out the red carpet for Manny Machado. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Um, of course, people talked about the John Jay signing. Um Yep. As he's been a close friend of Machado publicly, they acquired Yonder Alonso early on, Manny Machado's brother-in-law. So they're just mm-hmm. trying to get all of the all of the Machado family and friends. Maybe by the end of the off season, they'll be feeding, fielding a starting lineup of his family. But hopefully, they won't have to try <laughs> that hard to get him. No, I hope not. And there's rumors they could even try to go after Harper still, which I I just don't think any team in baseball will get both of them. I just Unless you're the Phillies, maybe. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine, especially if they're both represented by Scott Boris. And he's an agent notorious for, of course, demanding ridiculous sums for all of his players. So they're still looking at $300 million deals for for either one of the players for probably eight years, eight to ten years, knowing Boris. So... Boris's yeah. stick worked for a while, probably. And in the last three years or so, teams started to catch on and realize that signing people to 10-year contracts for high value the whole way through doesn't end up working out in their favor too often. So we've had kind of a no. slow free agency season. But I think things will be picking up pretty soon. Machado sweepstakes are still hot, and White Sox still seem yeah. like one of the favorites. Yeah, no, I it, it seems like he could go there. And obviously, I I really don't think the Yankees are in play now with them getting too low. I don't think they're in the yeah. market for another shortstop at their base, and they just don't have spots for him. And, you know, while I still hope that the Cubs still have a chance, but I talked about that in a few episodes before, is it just sounds like they don't have the money to go after him. And really, I don't think the Cubs really need to. And really, I really don't want him for 10 years. I, I don't care if he's 26. It's just... That's just so much money. It's so much money. Yeah. But they're good players. Yeah. So whether or not the White Sox do end up winning the Manny Machado sweepstakes, they are going to have a few decent players coming through the pipeline in the next few years, of course, headlined by Eloy Jimenez, who we were talking a little bit about earlier. They acquired yeah. him from the Cubs in the Jose Quintana trade. Uh, he was – part of that 2013 draft class that included Glaber Torres, also a Cub then, who ended up with the Yankees and had a pretty good year last year. Yep. So Jimenez is only 20 at this point. Absurd power hitter. So he's been graded by scouts as 70 or 80 power. Wow. Like present 70, future 80. So if you don't know not used to scouting grades. MLB scouts or any other baseball scouts grade players based on five major tools being hit, power, run, fielding, and throwing. And they do so on a scale of 20 being the worst to 80 being the best, which basically, Mm -hmm. if you want to get into the nitty-gritty statistics, 
50 is average and every 10 points is another standing standard deviation from there, which basically means that every player should be between 20 and 80. You don't have to worry yeah. about everything below and everything above that. But anyway, Jimenez power and hit tools are graded pretty well yet to see how his defense will be if he has any defensive value, but like projections, like fan zip projection, see him as like a 140 OPS plus player, which is about 40% above league average hitting for the right. first couple of years of his career. So he could have easily been called up at the end of last season, but because of some rules with the collective bargaining agreement in baseball, which is the agreement between the league and the players union, um, they elected not to call him up and they'll wait a few weeks into the 2019 season before they do it because essentially it gets them an extra year of team control. If you remember a couple of years ago what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, they did the exactly. same thing. Yep. So that's always going to be... It is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, that's... Jimenez will um, be exciting to see. He will be, yeah. No, I'm really excited to watch him play Especially as a Cubs fan, I want to see how good he is to see, you know, I'm starting to get an inkling that the Cubs kind of lost that trade. Now, granted, the Cubs still have Quintana, and if the rest of the rotation stays healthy, they might be okay. But we'll talk about the Cubs later. But it's just you can't grade trades until, like, four years later. So we still have some time to go on that. But, you know, the White Sox, their biggest thing is they have some other top prospects. Like, remember Lucas Giolito? He was a top yeah. pitching prospect, and he's did actually kind of terrible last year. He pitched 173 mm-hmm. innings, had an ERA at six, and he gave up 27 homers and 90 walks. So I think they're really hoping that he turns it around, obviously. Yeah. A um, couple notes on Giolito that would be encouraging if you're a White Sox fan are in the second half of the season, mm-hmm. he – had an uptick in velocity from averaging around 92.5 miles an hour in his fastball to about 94 and wow. also started striking out. He had a, a K per nine of 9.4 batters per nine yeah. innings. So he was striking out a lot more guys in the second half of the season. So mm-hmm. he's still promising, very yeah. inconsistent at this point, but it's a very different Giolito than the one that we saw a couple of years ago. And I think that's a good sign that he's he's working on stuff, he's developing, and they're yep. not in a terrible spot. No, yeah, that's that's and, absolutely right. So another thing worth considering when you're looking at their pitching is one of their top prospects, Michael Kopech. So he got called up mm-hmm. near the end of the 2018 season, and he was off to a great start. Yep. Throwing plenty of strikes. He only walked two of the first 68 batters that he faced and was having some oh. decent results. And it was very exciting to watch his debut. But just a couple starts in, he had a UCL tear. So oh, he had, right. had Tommy John, ended his 2018, and he probably will not play the entire 2019 season. So we won't get to see yeah. him again until 2020. That was a that was I forgot about that yeah because they were hyping him up and then that happened that's 
that is a big hit to the rotation. They do have, I mean, Carlos, is it Rodon? He had a good season. I mean, not too bad anyway. Pitched 120 innings, 4.18. That's okay. You can live with that if he's your fifth starter or fourth starter. I mean, he could develop into a higher starter, but they were led by the old man, James Shields, who's, he's an innings eater his whole career. He kind of didn't have a lot of offensive help, but he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to be back unless they want a veteran there. I don't see any reason why they'd bring him back, but they might. I don't know. Yeah. Ronaldo Lopez was the best pitcher and probably the best player on the White Sox this past season. According to baseball reference, he put up about three war, and according to fan grass, it was closer to two. But either way, yeah. He was the only player or only member of the starting rotation to have an ERA under four, which says something about their starting rotation. But he put up about 200 innings and had in was was a slightly above average pitcher, accounting for the fact that guaranteed rate is a decent hitter's park. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I'm trying to look kind of what their rotation will project as. And it looks like they could totally stand. They did sign, remember they traded for Ian Nova in the offseason, so I did like that move. I would forgotten about that. Yeah. That's a solid move. So that gives them another quality rotation arm. So with Giolito, Novo, Lopez, and Rodon. And then they have some internal options. It looks like they have Jacoby, Stevens, and then Spencer Adams. So there's some young guys, but they could totally sign another veteran and be okay. You know, seems like they're wanting to spend money this year, right? Yeah, especially if they're looking at Machado. But other than that, they'll probably sit tight for a little bit. But at least they made some decent improvements, acquiring Yonder Alonso, of course, at first base is a big upgrade. They signed uh, – or they have they have a second year of Wellington Castillo's two year fifteen million dollar deal, which is a pretty affordable option for him. But absolutely, their payroll I have it up right now. Their payroll is just crazy <laughs> low at this point. They only have about they only have about fifty million on the books for the season. Everybody else is in arbitration or pre arbitration, so all of their salaries will still be working out. But right. That's a really good spot to be in if you're looking to spend, and this is a decent free agent class to spend on, of course. Right. Big thing is they're still a couple years away from competing, so it's more about sorting out the farm and figuring out, giving the players playing time. Of course, the the Kopech injury hurts them there. But also they have uh, Luis Robert, who I believe got a little bit of playing time near the end of the season. He might have been a September call-up, but he'll probably be getting called up by the end of the year. Uh, Alec Hansen and Zach Birdie round out the rest of their top five prospects. I've heard Birdie is a – he's 22. He's a pitcher, and he's already had Tommy John as well. So, of course, Tommy John plaguing. White Sox pitching prospects makes the rebuild a lot harder, but yeah, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. His fastball, ninety-seven to a hundred. He can hit one hundred two. He has a great slider, and he's developed a changeup that's pretty good as well. So he has three solid pitches 
and decent command. So he will probably end up uh, on the team in 2019 at some point. And I would expect this White Sox bullpen, actually, between their signings and guys like Birdie coming up, to be an above-average bullpen or one that's pretty scary to face. So they're starting to put some stuff together. But, of course, starting pitching still needs a lot of work, as we just talked about a moment ago. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, like like you said, they have the, the bullpen, and it's starting to turn around at your light with the wide open central, because with the Indians, they're still likely going to fire sale some of their team. There's been rumors of them unloading, you know, some other big names off that roster. I mean, they already did one trade, but if they trade, you know, there's a couple other guys they could unload, and that kind of shifts the whole central. While I do think, you know, the Royals, my other team, I, I really see them likely finishing in fifth again. But you never know. But that division could be wide open. And the Twins are rebuilding, but they got a new manager. You know, it's just a wide open division. It really is. So they make a couple more moves. They could, I think they could contend for the division, really. In 2019 or? It, it more realistically is 2020. You're looking at a 2020 yeah. contending. But they could finish third. I think they could yeah. finish third easily. If if things go right, you know, if the projections go correct. But, I mean, you'd be asking yeah. a lot for them to finish first or second, I, I would think. Yeah. But, yeah. Let's see. The, thing is, the other thing is that's interesting. So, say they don't get Manny Machado. So, stuff I've been reading on is, you know, there's honestly, there's so many free agents that are waiting to see where the big two sign. And then that'll dictate where the rest will sign. And we've seen that in past free agencies, especially this last one. Free agency heated up a little bit more this year, but it just seems like last year there were people signing clear into spring training, and it was just, it was just crazy. So, like, some names to keep in mind is, like, Mike Moustakis. Say Machado doesn't go to the Phillies or White Sox. Moustakis, I would think, would want to sign with one of them teams. You know what I mean? That's just a good example. Yeah. There's there's still a lot to see about where they'll end up as far as where they're going to start the beginning of the season, but it's certainly yep. going to be a better spot than where they started the 2018 season or where they started the 2017 season. Right, right. And I like I like the moves the White Sox have done. I like getting it. Just the stars are aligning too much with these moves. They're clearly trying to get Manny's buddies and brother-in-law. And I and I know we talked on it just briefly, but I did like the John Jay signing. He's a great he's a great utility guy. He can play center field. He can really on a good team he's your fourth outfielder, really, or a platoon guy. But they're making yeah. a lot of moves that are interesting. They'll at least be fun to watch. If I was a White Sox fan, I would be excited to at least watch some of these young guys. Mainly for, you know, Jimenez and some of these other guys. And you have to wait a year on the a couple of guys that are hurt, but there, there's, there's promise. I mean, there, there's good news on the horizon. Yeah. One person on the White Sox, <laughs> one player that at least I'm a little bit discouraged by is Yohan Moncada. Of course, he was yep. a top prospect when he was called up in 2017. They got him from Boston in the Chris Sale trade, but yep. at least last year, his Numbers were a bit worrying. He slashed 235, 315, 400, which is only good for an OPS of 715. 
and had a K rate of 33.4% and a BABIP of 344. So BABIP, if you're not familiar with it, is – it stands for batting average on balls in play. So it's essentially a stat that measures how lucky a player got, or it works for pitchers as well, how lucky a player or pitcher got because once the ball has left the bat, neither of them can do anything about it anymore. It's kind of a way for accounting for defense and all of the other random bounces that happen in baseball. So Moncada had a significantly higher BABIP than he did the previous year, being 325. It was up 20 points and struck out a lot. His walk rate was down from 2017, his limited appearances there. So it's the numbers aren't looking great, and they're probably going to get worse. At least that's what the, the underlying stuff tells us. But, of course, he is still young. <laughs> he still had only about a season and a half in the majors. But it's it's not looking like he's going to pan out as well as they hoped. Right. Right. That's a good point. I, I know I had him. I know this is minor, um, but I have him on fantasy last year, and I'm not keeping him in my keepers league because I was all excited because we can add prospects, and I was stoked, and he did not deliver for what I was hoping for at all. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, – He did – That was definitely one they missed on. Yeah. He did still put up – two war for the team, which does put him around their higher players. And he did still did deliver to some degree on the offensive side of the ball, but there's still a lot of work to be done. He has a very undisciplined approach to play it. And I think play discipline would be a big thing for him to work on. Well, yeah, 217 strikeouts and that's, that's not going to cut it. Not at all. That's like Adam Dunlike, former White Sox, talking. That's that's got to be just unfortunately with a bit the... less power and fewer walks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because that's one of my favorite baseball stats. Is doing the it's an unofficial, but doing an Adam Dunn is a strikeout, a walk, and a what is it? A uh, a homer. Yeah, strikeout, walk, and a homer yeah. in, in the game. And he just doesn't have quite have the power for that. But I know he's. He's near – he's in scary territory. When you pass that 200 strikeout range, that's that's a number you want to avoid for sure. Yeah. But that's a good point. Any other White Sox tidbits you have? Um, well, of course, last season they did not make a ton of moves at the deadline. They kept Jose Abreu around, and he had a bit of a down year last year anyway. Yep. They didn't ever jump with the chance to trade Avisael Garcia, who had a pretty good 2017, but fell back down to earth in 2018. And 2019 seems like it'll be more of the same there. So I think they could have done a little bit more along the rebuilding <laughs> line last year. I agree. But that's not what they decided to yeah. do. So. And I thought – they could have thought about moving Matt Davidson too. He, I know he's 27 also like Garcia is, but he had some power. He had 20 homers 
123 games. He was at a, I know that's not great, but he had most of those in the first half of the year, I believe. I can't remember what half it was, yeah. but I know I picked him up when I just needed some little pop. There wasn't much available when I had to resort to him, obviously. But they had another guy, that utility guy, Daniel Alka. I don't know if you mentioned him, but he had yeah. 27 homers. So, but mm-hmm. again, the average isn't what you want. Their average team batting average is really bad. Oh, but again, they did. They added Jay, they added Alonzo. They may end up adding Machado, we'll say. But so, yeah, stat wise, it'll be vastly improved because they, I'm just looking at a fun stat. They gave up 848 runs and scored 657. So, obviously, they were giving up a lot of runs. And that's something yeah. they can work on. But they're not the only team by any means. There's a lot of teams that give up a lot yeah. of runs. Yeah. One last little tidbit about the White Sox, and then I think we can get to. News around the yeah. league is that, of course, they were 62 and 100, but their Pythagorean win loss record, which is a formula that was developed by Bill James, mm-hmm. uh, that determines a team's expected record based on the amount of runs they give up and the runs allowed. Their Pythagorean win loss was also 62 and 100. So they didn't seem to get too lucky or unlucky in close games, which is. A little bit of luck, and maybe they'll be in the thick of it next season. Yeah, so that that is an interesting stat. I'm assuming for most teams there is some wiggle room with that stat. Is that correct? It's usually not spot on like that, is it? Yeah, it's and a lot of times you'll see teams with good bullpens, especially the back end of the bullpen, will tend to be more yeah. likely to outperform their Pythagorean or teams that had a lot of walk-off victories. Basically, it's sure. kind of a measure of how you perform in close games. So the White Sox weren't awful in them, and they weren't great in them either. So it means they have some room to yeah. improve there. Right. No, that's a really fascinating stat, Jason. And and sometime we'll have to have you on. Obviously, we'll have you talk about your Diamondbacks, but I would love to kind of educate. I mean, you have to teach me on the side too, but I know a little bit about all this stuff. But I love the in-depth stats. I just love that stuff. And it's just really cool. Sabermetrics and, you know, fan graphs, that stuff really interests, interests me now. Yeah, I'd be glad to talk about it. Yeah, no, that'd be really cool. Um, so coming up, so we have about about three minutes left to show. I was going to load up the uh, draft order. So next, this weekend, we'll probably be doing a baseball news episode for, you know, the moves in all of baseball, there isn't much, but maybe there'll be some by this weekend. If not, if there isn't a lot of news, we are we are set to talk about the Marlins next. So we're going to do the Miami Marlins on Saturday or this weekend. So anyway, this some stuff to look forward to. That'll be a fun team to rip into because they're not really in a great position either. If you haven't caught on, we're going from the worst teams to the best, so... We're getting out all these teams that had rough seasons, and they're working our way to the best. So, uh, yeah, that's about what we look forward to. We just keep our eyes fixed on what Harper's doing on Instagram and what Machado's saying to his brother-in-law. You know, who knows what's going to happen yep. the next couple of days. Yeah, all we got right now is rumors. So, it's cool right yeah. now, but it'll heat up real quick. Yeah, and I'm excited. You know, I spring training starts and next month here. So about a month away, pitchers and catchers report. That's always one of my favorite weeks. 
And, you know, I'm just looking forward to that. Well, I just thank you, Jason, for being on here and pinch hitting for Jeremy and Cole. And we'll definitely have you on, hopefully more often if we if our schedules allow. And that'd be really cool. All right. So thank you, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. And I thank you guys, the listeners, for listening to our show, whether you stream it or you listen to it live. I sometimes, I know we had some, we get some callers on here occasionally, and I do appreciate that. I was having some technical difficulties getting another caller on here, but I appreciate you guys calling in. Well, I'll tell you what, this weekend we'll have like half of our show dedicated to people calling in with questions. So I just thank Jason for being on here. If you want to follow our show, we have Twitter. It's at BB, so it's B-B-R-O-S podcast, so BB Bros podcast on Twitter. And you can also find us on iTunes for the Baseball Brothers podcast. You can follow us on there. And, you know, the rest of us, our Twitter handles are on there. Sam I am Cheer 13, Cole Nelson 22, and Jeremy Bragg 25. And I'll give the, the Twitter names to other guest hosts that come on occasionally too. So I thank you for following us. You guys have a great evening, and we will talk to you this weekend.